Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Usually we talk to this guy on Wednesdays, but we've had to shuffle all kinds of stuff out here this week because of Red Sox baseball, Tom Brady coverage. Everything's off for me this week, contributing greatly to my stress level. So Freddie Coleman of ESPN <laughs> Radio is with us now, host of Freddie and Fitzsimmons, 9 p.m. weeknights on ESPN Radio and always on WDEV Radio. Freddie, we are just days away from the Patriots hosting Tom Brady and the Bucks. As we sit days away, your excitement level is what? Oh, on, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's definitely out of 10 because it's everything about what happened in the past. And then you had the book that became public knowledge of what went on in the final stages when it comes to the relationship with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in New England. And then you got a then you got a Patriots team that's trying to make sure they don't lose two in a row and a Tom Brady team and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers trying to overcome the beatdown they got from the Los Angeles Rams. So, so many different things going into this feels like a playoff field kind of game. That's why I'm at a 10 on the 1-10 to 10 scale regarding this matchup that happens on Sunday. You mentioned the book. That's the Seth Wickersham book that's making its rounds now on ESPN and all around New England radio as well. What would you think of that? That was some bombshell stuff. Yeah, because I'm a big believer, Brady, that timing is everything. And I'm sure Seth Wickersham had this book ready to go the minute that the schedule came out and we had Tom Brady and Tampa Bay going to play New England, especially this early in the season. So I'm a big believer that, oh, yeah, he knew exactly when to put the book out there and make sure everybody was going to have a chance to know about it and hear about it. But here's something else to that. If anything, it only adds to the power of the National Football League because ratings are up all over the place, whether it's Monday Night Football on ESPN or Sunday Night Football on NBC or the games happening throughout the day. A lot of people have a lot of talking points, a lot of conversation points when it comes to the National Football League. It has, just, it has not just been about a couple of players or a couple of teams. There are storylines everywhere with the teams in Los Angeles and what's going on in Cleveland and Mac Jones in New England and Tom Brady and Tampa Bay and how it could be a really ghastly football fall if you're a New York football fan south of Buffalo. So this only adds to the storyline of why the NFL continues to be the best reality show in the history of reality shows, whether it's sports reality or even common life reality when it comes to the NFL. You know, I have thought for a long time, now I would make a terrible GM, like emotion and sentimentality plays into how I view things. So I have thought for a long time the Patriots owed it to Tom Brady to let him stay as long as he wants. But maybe they feared him eventually looking like Ben Roethlisberger does this year in Pittsburgh, another guy that they you know felt in debt to. Do you think that that thought process gives credence to the idea of letting Brady walk? It's an interesting theory, but I've always believed when it comes to Bill Belichick because he has shown me time and time again he'd rather move from a from he'd rather move on from a player a year early than a year later. So I don't know that Bill Belichick pays attention to what other teams are doing or what potentially could be uh, a hypothetical or rhetorical when it comes to Bill Belichick. He doesn't play that game of you know what I'm going to fear the unknown and leave the known alone. That's not what he does. He's always been about what's going to be best for the organization and what's going to be best for the football team. And he firmly believed that Tom Brady was going to have to – it's going to be at a certain point, Brady, that he was going to have to go off that cliff when it comes to being a quality quarterback in the National Football League. And he felt after 20 years, at a certain point when he goes off that cliff, he did not want to be caught having a quarterback trying to build around him, knowing that he can't do the job. So he's always been a big guy in terms of he doesn't save players and he believes that a player – has outlived his due date, he'll move on from that player no matter who that player has been or what he's done for the organization. You know, last week you told us you wouldn't be surprised if the Pats were waiting for this game to kind of unveil Mac Jones. 
given what you've seen through the first three weeks, do you still feel that way? Well, I absolutely do feel that way because at a certain point, Bill Belichick knows you got to have your quarterback make some plays. And here's something else I thought about watching the game last week with the Austin New Orleans Saints. That Saints defense is really, really good. And the one thing that I was able to see that Mac Jones was able to put the ball in places by the receivers couldn't get open, so he had to hold the football. And when he put the ball in the receiver's hands, you saw the tip happen, then the interception returned for a touchdown, courtesy of the New Orleans Saints. So I wouldn't, it wouldn't be surprising right now if you're Bill Belichick. What do you have to lose in this game? Many people don't believe you're going to win it anyway. you got Tom Brady coming back. This is a chance maybe to show people that, hey, Mac Jones, this is why we drafted this guy. This is why we wanted this guy. He fell to us. Why not just let everything loose? Because the only thing you're going to lose is a game, but it's not going to hurt or harm the development when it comes to Mac Jones. Playing in a game like this is only, I think, going to enhance his development in the future and not make him take a step back. You know, what's your ultimate prediction for this game right now? We're a couple days out. You have the right to amend it, but what's your ultimate prediction right now? I believe Tampa Bay is going to win the game, but I will say this. Mac Jones is going to make some plays because that Buccaneers defense, and yes, it depends on the competition that they played so far, but we saw Dak Prescott did this defense on opening day. We saw the Rams did this defense last Sunday. So there going to be plays that are going to be made, especially when you're able to block them a lot better than what we've seen or what we thought was going to happen at Tampa Bay. But I also firmly believe this is going to be one of those kind of games that we've seen so far this year, a 34-28 kind of game, 31-24 kind of game. I think it's going to be an up-and-down game that both of these defenses will really struggle to keep these offenses at bay. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, with us here on the Brady Farkas Show, WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Freddie Show, weeknights, 9 p.m. Freddie, switching gears entirely over to the association. NBA Media Day snuck up on me. With the later last season in the Olympics, I feel like I just watched basketball like last week, but here we are. <laughs> here we are yet again. Um, Ennis Cantor for the Celtics said he thinks Jason Tatum should focus on trying to become a top five player in the league. I don't know if he's quite there yet, but where do you think he is now in the league's hierarchy? Well, I completely agree with Ennis Cantor because Jason Tatum has that kind of ability to be a top-five player because he can be that cold-blooded killer down the stretch that can make those kind of plays and make plays other people. So I'm with Ennis on that one, that he should have that top-five mentality. I'm with you that he's not a top-five player because I don't think people realize you throw those kind of top five, top ten lists out there. You can't just throw names out there without somebody saying, oh, wait a minute, hold on a second. So it's very easy to say that, for example, Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks is a top five player. But you can make the case that eight or nine players are better than Luka Doncic in the NBA, and no one can look at you funny or look at you sideways. So Jason Tatum is not a top five, top ten player yet. But I don't believe he's far away in terms of what he can do with the basketball, where he can seemingly make any shot. He can get to the rim. He can make those kind of tough contested jumpers. He's an underrated defender. He has that kind of game that you can flow with him, and everybody else is going to flow with him and be better basketball players. And I think that we're going to see a little bit more than that from Jason Tatum because I think playing on the Olympic team and what he was able to do coming off the bench where he was unguardable at times other than Kevin Durant, having that mentality was only going to serve him well, not just with the Olympic team, but also the Celtics. You know, the Eastern Conference doesn't have maybe the high-end uh, talent of the West at large, but I think that the East has a whole lot of depth to it. I actually think the East is pretty good. What do you think of the East overall and its kind of overall development? Oh, Brady, you know how I don't love to not agree with you, but I'm going to completely agree with you 100% <laughs> when, it, when it comes to the Eastern Conference because for the first time in a long time, we know the West is still the best because there's some killers out there, not just when it comes to players, but also when it comes to teams. But there's definitely a lot of intrigue in the Eastern Conference because you have the Brooklyn Nets, you have the Boston Celtics, you have the Milwaukee Bucks, 
You have the New York Knicks. You have the Atlanta Hawks. Keep an eye on that Pacers team. Now that Rick Carlisle is the head coach of that basketball team. There are a lot of so many intriguing parts. And now the Eastern Conference can look at everybody else and say, it's not just going to be a blowout in the NBA Finals because look what happened. People thought that Phoenix was going to run away and hide from Milwaukee when they had a 2 nothing lead in the NBA Finals. And then the Bucs win the next four with a guy that was not 100%. And Giannis Antetokounmpo had one of the all-time great final series in the history of the NBA Finals. So more than ever before, the West is still the best conference. But that gap has gotten a lot narrower because of the players that have migrated from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference. Kevin Durant, he's down in the East. Julius Randle, he's down in the East. James Harden, he's down in the East. So many tremendous, tremendous players are not just looking to join with the Lakers or join with the Clippers or Golden State. They decide to find their way to the Eastern Conference and make it not only better situations for them, but making it better for the Eastern Conference as a whole, where now there's so much competitive basketball that you can make a case for eight to nine teams on either side of the Eastern and Western Conference and say, oh, yeah, I could see that team in the NBA Finals. Oh, yeah, I could see that team in the NBA Finals. It makes the NBA more, it makes the NBA better, of course, but also makes the storyline even better going into the regular season. You know, I've got a hundred questions on Kyrie Irving, so I don't even know if I have one at that point. Only a hundred? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> at, at this point, if I just say Kyrie Irving, what do you think? Uh, Kyrie Irving, I have a saying, Brady, that humans are going to human, where Kyrie is going to Kyrie, because I, I swear that Kyrie likes to be contrarian, just to be contrarian. And I don't mind people having a mind of their own. I embrace that. But just to be contrarian and be wrong a lot of the time just bothers me. And it goes back to the whole flat earth theory involving Kyrie Irving. I'm thinking, dude, it's been proven that the earth is not flat. But he just likes to be contrarian. I don't know if it's to get attention or to let people know that he doesn't believe you're going to pay attention to me. Whatever that is, I don't mind people being contrarian if you have facts to back you up and you're basing your opinion on that. It seems to me he's just being contrarian because he knows he can get away with it. But at least he thought that. Now a lot of people are pushing back on him. And even people in his own organization are saying, hey, if he's not vaccinated and he's going to stay that way, then the NBA has told you you're not going to get paid if you play in San Francisco or in New York. Then we're going to see exactly what kind of contrarian or what kind of contrarian mindset Kyrie Irving is going to have, especially when now money could be taken out of his pocket because he's been unvaccinated. He's going to stay in that stance, and he doesn't want anybody telling him what to do. Being contrarian can work for certain situations. When it comes to life and death situations, at a certain point, you just can't be contrarian just because that's something you've done all your life. Freddie, UVM non-conference basketball schedule got released yesterday. They got a couple of really good matchups against some uh, power five and kind of group of five teams. So if I had to give you, if you were a betting man, are they going to beat Maryland or are they going to beat Providence this year? Neither, because Providence is going to be really good in the Big East, and Maryland is going to be always good in the Big Ten because Mark Turgeon does a great job with that basketball team, and so does Ed Cooley with Providence basketball. So UVM will give them a battle. There's no doubt about that because they're so well coached and have talented players, and there are too many good players around with the bigger schools can't get them all. But going on the road to play both of those teams in those environments, yeah, it'll be a tough game, but I don't think UVM's going to call it a win when it's all said and done. Well, I guess we can hope they'll beat UNC Greensboro then. Oh, hey, UNC Greensboro, a potential tournament team playing down in that conference in the Colonial. That's not an easy team to play, but if anything, playing those kind of games, and let's say you steal a game and win either one of those games at UVM, all of a sudden you really set yourself up to say in your conference you're not going to play anybody as talented as those basketball teams, 
and you play with that kind of mentality and that kind of ability, you should be able to win another American East Championship up in Burlington when it's all said and done. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio. I am always amazed at the depth of knowledge when it comes to mid-major and low-major basketball, so Freddie never ceases to surprise us. So, Freddie, have a great show tonight, and we'll look forward to uh, talking to you again in six days this week. Sounds good, Brady. Can't wait to talk about what happened between Brady versus former team. I'll talk to you in six days, my friend.